Law enforcement suicides are at an all-time high right now. One of the causes is poor leadership within the law enforcement profession. Nick, the host of the Roll Call Room podcast, has written a book, Police Mental Barricade, A Survivor's Guide to Poor Law Enforcement Leadership. This book is a raw and powerful look into suicide and how poor leadership decisions contribute to law enforcement suicides. Buy the book now at mentalhealthbarricade.com and stop the stigma. The issues discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency and are the views of the host or guest only. Any persons discussed may be fictional for comedic purposes. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised. If the lion is the king of the jungle, how can he be the king of the jungle? If he's not the biggest, the elephant is probably one of the biggest. He can't be the fastest because that's a cheetah. He can't be the smartest. So he's not the biggest, the fastest, or the smartest. So how does a lion become the king of the jungle? His mentality. That's the only difference of a lion and an elephant. When a lion walks up and sees an elephant, he thinks lunch. An elephant thinks run. And it's all mentality. Because when a male lion walks up, he may be outnumbered by a pack of hyenas, but I'm king of my jungle because of my mentality. What happens when you're a gazelle and you're not being pushed? You're not being prodded. You're not giving it a reward. Nobody's encouraging you. What happens when you're a gazelle and the lion's not chasing you anymore? You stop running. But what happens when you're a lion? When you're a lion, it does not make a difference. You realize that if your family is going to eat, that if that pack of lions is to survive, then you gotta go hunt. A part of being a beast just ain't eating a gazelle. A part of being a beast is the hunts. It's the hunt that they're excited about. They like to see the gazelles run. Then boom, they take off. Cause real lions like to hunt. They love the process just as much as they love the prize. And some of y'all just want to score. You don't like the process. You're not in love with the process. A true hunter's goal is not the prize. A true hunter's goal is to hunt. That's what they live for. They live to hunt. They don't just live to catch it. It's the whole process. When you are a true hunter, you don't go by time. You go by the gazelle. When you are a true hunter, you hunt until you get a gazelle and you don't stop until you get one. And then you get another, and then you get another, and you get another. If you're going to do what you say you're going to do, be what you say you're going to be, you're going to have to lie me out. You a gazelle, you're going to come up short. You a gazelle, you're going to have an average experience. You a student, I need you in lion mode. You an entrepreneur, I need you in lion mode. You try to lose weight, lion mode. You can't do nothing significant in gazelle mode, nothing. Nothing impressive happens in gazelle mode. Nothing happens in run mode, give up mode, quit mode, scared mode, fearful mode, nothing happens. Everything happened in lion mode like I'm coming to get you.
You're listening to the podcast that changed the game and rocked an entire profession. And rocked an entire profession. Talking about shit in law enforcement that keeps poor leaders up at night. When others run scared and hide behind fake policies, the Roll Call Room podcast tells it like it is. No bullshit. No matter how hard these thieves try, we keep killing it. And now, here are your hosts, Nick and Mike. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Roll Call Room podcast. I'm super excited. My co-host for the day is... Drumroll... Where's my drum roll? Hold on. Jesus, I'm fucked up. <laughs> Mark the Cop from The Shield Within and also a joint podcast that we do. Mark, welcome to the Roll Call Room podcast. It's like you've been here before. I have been here before, I've, but I've never been here as a guest. Kind of sort of, but I, I am the only one. I'm not sharing a microphone now, and I am honored and privileged to be here on the Roll Call Room. My dreams are coming true. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell you, if this is the top dream, I don't don't know, man. Well, after the after the nightmare of the last two years of my career, this is really a dream. (laughs) And and for those of you that don't know, uh, I mean, a lot of our regular fans know who you are. Mark has Mark has been through the shit. Mark can talk about um, Mm -hmm. poor law enforcement leadership probably better than (laughs) I can. Uh, him and I are, are, are pretty much like uh, twins, but he's the better looking twin. He's, <laughs> or some would say like, yeah. you know, like Nutrisystem puts up the before and after picture. And I'm both. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the before. I'm the guy that like, you know, he's got the stained boxers on with no shirt on. God. You know, and he does the big muscle flex, yeah. you yeah. know. You're the guy after <laughs> the the fat dumpy bald guy yeah, with gray like, hair. I can get an erection. The oh well, well see, can't. you got me beat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so today's episode, uh, a couple of things, but our main focus for this episode is a cars episode because Mark is a big, big uh, cop car guy like I am. Um, but your knowledge of cars goes way, way beyond my knowledge. Or experience with cars because I thought I went back like old old school cars like mm-hmm. NYPD mid nineties maybe mm-hmm. late nineties but then when you and I were shooting messages back and forth and you were sending me pictures I was like oh shit I remember this when I was a kid <laughs> well I am old I mean yeah. I went to the academy in nineteen ninety two I wasn't gonna say it, but like that's all right. I'm comfortable with my senior citizenship. Yeah, I mean, when a, a good question for you is is like when you were in the police department and they brought everybody outside and they finally retired the chariots and mm-hmm. went to automobiles. Were you excited? <laughs> no, don't get rid of trigger. <laughs> that's funny. Where we put our spears? <laughs> <laughs> right just like yeah. uh the, the the ending there of uh braveheart right uh braveheart <laughs> or gladiator either one pick yeah. one see just as good you know because i have ocd or adhd or whatever they call it me too 
speaking of gladiator do you like i just looked that movie up the other day do you know how old that movie is mm, like I'd this guessing russell uh russell crow like looking really good mm-hmm. like have you seen him now <laughs> he, he looks, looks like, like he ate he looks like he ate the other Russell Crowe. Yeah. yeah, right. Fat Russell Crowe was kind of fun. Yeah. So that was made in 2000, man. Does that make you feel old? <laughs> yeah. 23 years old. Good Lord. And what well, happened? How, can he, how, old, how old is Russell Crowe now? Ooh, I, I don't I, have my Googler here. Now I'm afraid to Google on this machine because this one we're working on. Yeah, <laughs> I video. yeah. How old is Russell Crowe? Um, I guess I can use my phone. IMDB. Hold on. Folks listening. A little drum roll. We don't have any dead air. I know what it is. (laughs) Just for the folks on the the call, I just tried to type Gladiator and I typed the Goonies. (laughs) Which is another great movie. This is going to make me do math. Good old chunk. 1964. What is that? 1964. He's two years older than I am. And I'm 56. He's 58. He's 58. Mm-hmm. Man, time has not been kind to that You said guy. 62 or 64? 62. Okay, so my math is bad oh, because of my... Yeah, you know, I was born 66, so he's four years older than I am, so... Yeah. He'd be 60. Yeah, time's not kind to him, man. Like, I don't know what happened to him, but... Eh, well, you know, you kind of let yourself go, you know. You sit home, you're depressed, you eat, you know. I can tell you all about it. I had 71 days to do it <laughs> when I was on administrative leave. But we won't get into that. Yeah, me too, man. I, this is a Cars episode. This is a fun episode. This is a fun. And so so I can yeah. stop getting emails from folks that are like, <laughs> every, every episode is you bitching and moaning. Yeah. <laughs> but yet you still tune in. every <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so fun to listen to you bitch and moan. Yeah. I can remember... Um, and real quick when i was still on patrol uh you know of course you're paranoid all the time now once you go through something like that and uh so i would crank up the roll call room podcast and that's what was playing in my cruiser as i was patrolling on ice they were listening to you and mike (laughs) just complain like yeah (laughs) fuck yeah (laughs) yeah and when you hit a point you heard me going yeah man (laughs) you know here's the funny part was back then like when i was still on the job Mm-hmm. I would listen to the episodes the day after I dropped them and not because of egotistical reasons or, or anything like that. I was mm-hmm. listening for the audio and I'm look, listening differently than the average listener. I'm listening yeah. for how to improve things, my dog barking, <laughs> you know, quality shit. podcasting there. Yeah, quality. Po- this is this is called home podcasting. folks. Yeah. Dogs barking, birds chirping, whatever. Mm-hmm. But. It would be funny because I would listen to Mike and I on an episode, and even me and my cruiser, I would be like, "Fuck, that's so true." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I said it. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> I like that guy. <laughs> like, aside from that really annoying voice, man, he really knows what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> and then it would be weird because then officers that I worked with would pull up next to, they would buddy up the cars, mm-hmm. and they'd be like, "Hey, I just felt I just finished the last episode," and I'm like, "Yeah." yeah. Uh huh. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were talking about Captain So and So, weren't you? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Drop and drive and pull away. <laughs> 
no narc. I wasn't. <laughs> That's right. It was Blue Falcons. Is that what they call them? Blue Falcons. Oh, yeah. 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 I said that to somebody the other day where I was. I was like, we got a blue fa- blue falcon amongst us. And they were like, what? The f- is a what? Blue? I was like, yeah, you're a civilian. <laughs> but uh, so let's let's go back. Cars episode. Let's go back. Okay. First car right out of the academy for you is what? 1991 Chevy Caprice. Wow. Chevy Caprice. The first year they flipped it over and made it look like a boat. Oh, so it wasn't the box. It was the no. long. That's the long, long one, right? Uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, the ninety one. Uh, the, the the squared off ones. My favorite one, uh, was eighty seven to ninety. Was my favorite body style, but um, the nineteen ninety one was the first year when they did the redesign. It kind of looks like either some people call it an upside down bathtub, or it looks like an old Hudson, but I'm it's all at- rounded off. Um. Uh, 350 Chevy like engine, fuel injected. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It looks like an Impala. Yeah, I mean the SS Impala was the same, was the same uh, body. I remember this car, Mark. Yep, great cars, horrible oversteer. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh yes. What about in the rain and snow? Yeah, same thing. <laughs> well, they had a posi track rear end, so they got around pretty good. I mean, you just had to be smart about what you were doing. God, I remember these. The- 1991 Chevy Caprice, mm-hmm. and then there's the classic. That wasn't the police model, right? Correct. The Caprice Classic is that was a civilian line, and then uh, what they did was they took that uh, the Corvette LT1 motor and put in them, and they were just freaking rockets, man. They would fly. So back in those days, if you got the Crown Vic, which was the 91 Crown Vic, was a square body, right? Um, with the, the biggest engine you could get, and it was a 351, but it was basically a it had eight more horsepower than the uh, five liter 302, and it drove like it too because it, it they wouldn't hardly get out of their own smoke. But um, and most of the people wouldn't state bid. You know, they got whatever state bid was. Meaning, with the government, you're going to get the cheapest ship money by. So they generally got the smaller engine. So where I'm going out with this, either if you got the Caprice, woohoo, winner winner chicken dinner, or if you got assigned for the Crown Vic and then you're pissed off, you're like Boston, I make you mad tonight. I mean, why are you giving me the Crown Vic? Yeah, yeah. So the comparison contrast, and you know, if you don't know me, Mark the Cop loves his Crown Vics. So yeah, and and we're gonna get into that as we get closer to that history. Back when you first started, you got out of the academy. Was mm-hmm. It was a very uh, ninety one was a very different time. There was loyalty, there was brotherhood, or yes, just cohesiveness. You can't say brotherhood. <laughs> um, yeah, I can remember what year we are, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> don't I, be a sexist, Nick. I don't want to get canceled any more than I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and there was an understanding because I remember when I got out of the academy in the late nineties. There was an understanding that when you got out of the academy, mm-hmm. you were going to get everything you were going to get was going to be shit, shit mm-hmm. shitty uniform. Uh, well, mm-hmm. at least like, the NYPD is such a big agency. So you were going to get reused stuff. You were going to oh. get the worst car. You were going to get the worst locker in the locker room. Like there was an understanding back then. Mm-hmm. So it was the same way with cars when you got out of the academy was, hey, here's the shit box. Good luck. <laughs> yeah well when i got out of the academy i was sponsored but i i started at a small village and it was the village of covington covington ohio which is where i lived and i grew up uh, we had two cars 
Woo. And the, and the department was so small. We was five guys and we had, had what we called then police auxiliary. We were the, re, yes. the volunteer guys and, uh, they had to, the new car and then they had the old car and the old car is the one the chief drove. So he would take it home. So on the weekends, this is funny on the weekends, we'd have to drive down to the chief's house and pick mm-hmm. up the old car. So we could have two cars out. But again, you know, everyone knew one another and it, it was kind of very Mayberry ish. Yeah. Um, you know, if you went to a call and, and I didn't realize, especially when we start getting into our traumas, yeah. um, is that those early days when I would show up to basically a friend's house and there's, uh, you know, there's a death of a relative or, you know, or you go worse yet, you go in on a domestic. So you get, you, you're virtually there with your friends on their worst day. Yeah. And I didn't really realize that till today when I started, I'm working through my thousands of traumas, um, you know, just those early days of law enforcement and being in that village where I grew up and knowing those folks, you know, and, and, and I guess in a way it's kind of good that, okay, I'm there for them, you know, and sometimes, but when it's the other way around, when it's a domestic, you know, you just have to really use a lot of professionalism yeah. and discretion, but a we had a 91 Chevy Caprice and an 88 Ford Crown Vic. 88 Ford. So folks yeah, that are listening, we're going to post these pictures of these cars too <laughs> that we're talking about. Um, so as we're going along, um, uh, Marcus supplied pictures. I'm also going on Google and I'm, I'm clipping some of these pictures as well, because as Marcus saying these things, um, I have to look at the body style for me to remember what's what, except for like the crown Vic, which is yep. such an American staple in law enforcement. Um, uh, the Dodge Charger, the oh, yeah. Mango. Yeah. So we'll, I'm going to tell a really funny, cool Charger story when we get to the Charger error. Okay. okay. Just don't, I wrote it down on my fucking my Alzheimer's pad. <laughs> to remind me. I thought that was the pad you were sitting on. <laughs> yeah, Your that, incontinence pad. <laughs> those are for really important things. Um, for when you're podcasting and you can't afford to go to the pizzer, just let it fly. Yeah. yeah. For those of you that don't know about podcasting, you have to make sacrifices. Right. If you're in a conversation and you got to pee, you just got to let it go. <laughs> um, so 1991 Caprice, what's yes, the next model that comes out in your law enforcement career? The 19, the redesigned, um, let's see, we went from 91, 90, 93 is when they come out with what they call the Aero Crown Vic, um, cause they replace their cars every two years. So yeah, that, that first generation redesigned Crown Victoria, we had a Ford dealership in our little village. Ooh, that's and, a nice uh, look. Yeah. Shout out to Carl Reineke, Reineke Ford, uh, Carl and I are friends still today. Um, but the, uh, the, the new Ford 1993 Ford Crown Victoria came out. And that's what they call the arrow body style. And that, that was the uh, the next one that came along. Do they call that the P-71? Yes. Okay. That's, so that's yeah, the, P- the P-71 is the body style. Okay. So I've got a picture here of that. Uh, again, I'm, I'm going to uh, post them when we when we post the episode. I actually have one from my old chief's, uh, my old piece of shit chief's agent. <laughs> Uh, decked out in their California Highway Patrol. CHP. CHP. Not not CHP. I love that organization. They're great people. Um, 
And I love the folks that used to work with my chief that that email me and they're like, he was a, <laughs> he was a cocksucker when he was. He, <laughs> he Glad was to a, hear you. Yeah, he was a cocksucker from sergeant all the way till uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger made him the commissioner. Really? Yeah, Arnold made him. A, he told me the story of how Arnold made him a, made him the commissioner, and I was fascinated by it because I love law enforcement history. I love, mm-hmm. it. and um. I just think that Arnold was in a crunch and really didn't really give a shit. So mm-hmm. he was like, this guy's next in line. I'll just fucking tap him. Uh, yeah, but makes got, it easy. Got to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, I mean, can't fault the guy for that. Um, so we have the Arnold Classic in Columbus, Ohio every year. Matter of fact, it was just last week at the time of this recording. So Arnold makes this trek to the Buckeye State once to, a year. For what, weightlifting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of people here, a lot of cops that go over and compete in the Arnold. Uh, there's a couple guys um, that I know that go over there and compete, men and women alike. Yeah, so, yeah. it's his pretty son, cool. His son is like really jack, like he was when he was younger. Like, oh, good now, for him. Yeah, Arnold's like, Arnold's body's failing him. I, mean, I think it's all the steroids. Well, he's in the 70s, isn't he? Late he's, 70s? He is actually, yeah. I still see him as fucking Terminator. If he makes another one of those, I'll watch it. I don't give a shit. Best thing I ever did was uh, change the voice on my Waze app to uh, the Terminator. No, did you? How's on the head. Get down. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's like, would you shut that off? It's driving me insane. Because she'll be we'll driving along in the car and she'll be trying to nap. And I'll sneak over and turn the radio up. <laughs> oh, that's fucking hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, so we're at the 93 Crown Vic phase. We're not yet where I was in law enforcement. So Okay. Timeline's still creeping. I know. You, you're, I, I'm still a young buck at this point. Uh, so 1993, what's, what's, your next, what's your next cruiser uh, that you're pushing? Or, or After that in? one there, it's, it's about the same body style. Now, remember, these are, these are what we call pool cars or fleet cars. So I, in, in my area of the world, we didn't have take-home cars. And um, through, my, through my travels throughout the United States, uh, I've learned that kind of either you're in a large metropolitan area, they won't give you a take-home car, but the majority of the rest of the officers in the United States generally have take-homes, right. which is really the best way to go. Right. Um, but um, the next one that I drove was a 97 Ford Crown Vic, which is basically the same body style, only a little more, uh, I don't know, they did some cosmetics to it. But 97 was the last year of that style. So that style went from 1992 to 1997. So I can relate to this because this is right kind of when I started, when I was uh, New York City, had some of these. And then they had, what was the one that you told me before we went live? It wasn't. um, The Dodge Diplomat. The Dodge Diplomat. That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. 318 uh, 318 cubic inch most of them had a uh, two barrel fast fucking car man i remember that car oh yeah there it is (laughs) oh i just went from six to midnight looking at this (laughs) dude this brings back memories the trunk on this thing sleeps three men and a boy holy shit and then there was called the interrogation hood Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah actual <laughs> limitations is over but they used to call it the uh, interrogation hood because there was pr- pretty much no insulation between the engine and um the, the hood <laughs> yeah so, so the heat came right through it yeah. so when you laid somebody out or first them on the hood it, 
it was toasty because I remember <laughs> like, during winter time in New York City, we would like pull over and sit on the hood and warm up, and you could only sit on there for so long before your fucking like plastic pants <laughs> are adhering to your skin. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're like, wow, this is getting really hot. Um, oh yeah, but what a great car! Like, uh, cages. Did you have? Uh, when did you start? Or it was pretty much right away cages, right? Yeah, we had we had prisoner containment in all of them, and it, it went from just basic uh, to like vinyl covered, uh, like two inch square wire with plywood down low. That was well, the first. One. I'm like, what the fuck is this? But the, yeah. the later ones have uh, Satina manufacturing. Shout out to them. Yeah. Um, did a lot I'm, of the prisoner containment. I don't remember in the Dodge Diplomat. I'm almost a hundred percent sure we didn't have a prisoner um, separator like in 96, which a lot of, a lot of the bigger agencies didn't do it. Um, I knew for a long time, our state agency, they didn't have cages in the car when they would put you in the car. um, They had a cable and an eyelet in the back seat and they would set you there and they'd run this cable up through your cuffs and then clip it back into the floor. What, what the mm-hmm. or in the front or they just put you in the front seat put the belt around you because you were sitting on your hands yeah and, and we didn't started to, yeah we didn't have to worry about like um you used to be able to hog tie back then mm-hmm. oh yeah i kept a hobble in my bag up till yeah. three years before i retired yeah it turned you used to be able to handcuff in the back and pull the legs like handcuff the the, the legs together and then hog tie and then put them on their stomach mm-hmm. until so that positional asphyxia thing started kicking in well, science started <laughs> whoops in. yeah why are we losing so many people no i mean it was it was bad it was bad mm. i remember that and um yeah but we didn't have a lot of that in new york because if you acted a fool they would just call the paddy wagon to come out and come get oh you. yeah yeah see you guys the, the bigger agencies had wagons whereas out in rural farm communities to where i worked at uh, we didn't have that luxury so I had to deal with them yeah and um I remember uh, quite a few incidences where they were like really, really, as my dog is barking like crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. And getting packages delivered I, every day, man. My house, is like, my house is like a warehouse. It's like, it's, it's just crazy. And hold on. I had to hit the mute there. So. While you're dealing with that, um, what a, if it, let everybody know what a hobble is or hog ties when you have a prisoner cuffed and you make basically like a figure eight around their feet and then you take the other end of it, it's kind of like a dog leash up through the cuffs and then strap them in and put the people on their face and then they bend their knees up to their hands. So especially if they start kicking, they're just kicking against their own handcuffs. And especially after the uh, OC or earlier resin capsicum come out, that's it, just basically a defensive spray yeah. that we'd spray you with pepper spray uh and then of course you it's hard to breathe and laying on your chest like that you're not able to take those deep breaths so there was a few deaths back in the 90s due to what we call a positional asphyxia so yeah. they're like no 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 that doesn't happen anymore so yeah um, and and i think um that creeped up right around uh who was it was it oh uh, floyd um with the chevette hearing there was some position. Oh, well, they were talking, yeah, positional asphyxia with him. That was the first yeah. time civilians were really exposed to what that really meant. 
Um, but we have really? been, been warned about that for a long, long time. Like, oh, yeah. No and if you handcuff somebody on their stomach, you got to quickly either roll them over on their side or, mm-hmm. or get them or put them in. I mean, good yeah. officers were doing good that officers. stuff. Like, like we're actually listening. Um, <laughs> but occasionally you would get that one officer that's like, ah, he fuck him, he ran, and you're like, mm-hmm. you fucking like, yeah, guy's no, gonna fuck guys just it's crazy. Well, and, and that's what I tell my guys. Hey, you got them. You got them in the back of your car. You don't need to keep over. hazing them after that's done. Yeah. You know, and I was, yeah, as much as over. I was good at tuning people up, I always did the tune down. You know, I'd open the door and say, hey, yeah. man, what do we have to get like that for, bro? <laughs> you could have just stopped and saved us the fun. But, hey, you know. Oh, man, yeah, it always makes for okay, cool. uncomfortable. Yeah, it makes for an uncomfortable ride to booking. Well, like, yeah, but look like in my world. I still had to fingerprint the fucker yet, so <laughs> I have another good quality of our time with you. <laughs> yeah, no, with us, yeah. we had to transport, and then the deputies kind of took care of, like, the booking process, mm-hmm. but you still had to interact with them until you got your warrant, and then you'd have to, like, issue the warrant, and it always, like, 99% of the time, you'd go to hand them the warrant. And they fucking throw it right back at you, and you're like, <laughs> still arrested. <laughs> you in court. Yeah, yeah, bro, this don't end. <laughs> yeah, it's it. like, sorry. Ooh, you really upside me. You threw my warrant back. <laughs> um, one one notable copy. note. I'm sorry. That's your copy, sir. Not mine. <laughs> yeah, if you don't show up to court, I don't give a fuck. You'll have another one. <laughs> yeah. So when everyone thought that, uh, in yeah, one notable note since we're between 93 and 97 and 1996, I believe, was the last year for the Caprice. Ooh, was it? Yes. 1996. Man, when hit the old Googler there, got it up, confirm that, but I believe 1996 was the last year for it. And that's when most cops back then thought the world was going to come to a screeching halt. Um, but so yeah. what GM did then, they were also producing the uh, 9C1 Tahoe. They, they started developing because the Caprice and the Tahoe were made at the same Arlington, Texas plant, believe so. Double check, fact check me there. But uh, so that's when they started coming out with the uh, Tahoe as their replacement for the Caprice. 1996 for that Tahoe? I believe so. Because I remember the city of Dayton bought a couple. I mean, they think they had them up at the airport because uh, Dayton also oh has airport police. God, dude, I drove this. Did you really? My department in Virginia had a couple of these left over. Um, they weren't bad cars. They really weren't. They came in two-wheel drive only. Yeah, but at the time that I got mine was in like 05, 06. So mm-hmm. these things destroyed, man. <laughs> they smelled like, it smelled like broken dreams. and <laughs> Ass and feet is what I like to tell everybody. This was this was a beast. I remember yeah. these were a beast, man. Very roomy inside. Mm-hmm. Um, the folks that drive Tahoes, were, I'm looking at the new Tahoes because they're mixing them in with the pictures. Mm-hmm. Man, some of these Tahoes look sick. I oh yeah, imagine driving this as a as a police cruiser. I'd never leave them. Right. These are gorgeous. 
Well, and it's, you know, it, it's like what I like to tell everybody, especially when I'm teaching at the basic academy, because I'm a driving instructor there in the basic academy. I said, right now is the best time to be a cop as far as what platforms you're driving, because the absolute best platforms yeah. are now. Everybody talks about those old big blocks of, you know, the late 70s and like, well, they're great cars. I mean, they would go straight fast, but they didn't turn. They didn't handle. They sure as the fuck didn't stop because some of the earlier ones had drum brakes even on the front, you know, so you kind of had to you know, have a little finesse when driving the car. That was my next question to you was why, why now are they better off than they were before? And you hit it on the head. And also the big part was safety, like safety now. Oh gosh, yes. Um, man, I've had my fair share of accidents. I was talking to a former coworker of mine, of mine, him and mm-hmm. I still talk to each other. <laughs> well good <laughs> he, he was good but you know he left the department before i left the department he was a sergeant as well and um we still talk to each other all the time and um we, he was joking around about how many cruiser accidents i had and i was like man yeah i have been i've been in quite a few cruiser accidents were they your fault or were you being hit never my fault never uh, on that's the answer I was hoping you'd have. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been hit by other cars while going to another, like a call Mm -hmm. or a mechanical failure of the car. Like I've had a tire blowout while I'm on my way to the car and the car handled like shit and I drove (laughs) a tree, like stupid (laughs) shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I had a dickhead sergeant when I had some of these cruiser accidents and I was fucking rake through the coals, man. Like he was, he was like fucking pissed. Like, like I was like, why, why are you mad? It's not your car. Yeah. And then he would give me shitty cars as assignments, even though like I was one of the senior people on my group (laughs) and I would get a shitty car. And I was like, wasn't until I was a sergeant where I actually got nice new cars, like Mm -hmm. nice, like fresh out of the dealership, beautiful cars. Yeah. Clean, clean. Like, Nobody not, not a cup ass smell in there. <laughs> like the like the officer that likes uh, to drink beer and eat chicken wings on his days off that comes back to work and yeah, punishing like, the seat. I will tell you I, when I was a patrol officer and I worked in a in Virginia. I had it was a pretty pretty decent sized agency, so we had a lot of pool cars. Mm-hmm. And I had one um, cruiser mate. We would call it. Because when yeah. you're working, they're off. When they weren't working, you're off. And I would always come in, and there would be fucking food wrappers on the floor, mm. coffee stains all over the place, gummy bears everywhere. I mean, <laughs> it was fucking disgusting. And I would, I, dude, I try. I was, I was so nice about it at first. I'd send an email. I would be like, "Hey, listen, this is the third time you've left the car with a quarter of gas in there, and it's dirty. Oh, yeah. And you know, mm. you get out, you get." You hit the street earlier than I do, so the car wash is open when you're working. It's closed on midnights because I don't hit the street till 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. The car washes are closed. I get out at 8 o'clock in the morning. Like, go take the car for a fucking car wash. Yeah, exactly. So I pay for, like, a self-car wash out of my own pocket, uh, <laughs> like, in the middle of the night. Because I, yeah. I took pride in my car. Like, I took pride in the wheels being shiny and the car being mm-hmm. clean and all that other shit. Me too. 
And finally, I got tired of it, man. One day I came in, it was the last and final draw. He had taken a suspect to, to jail and I, you know, do the old flashlight sweep in the back to make sure mm. there's no weapons. And the shit was like, there was pee in the back of it. Uh. And I was like, I'm fucking done. So I popped the hood at the end of the shift. I popped the hood and I pulled the uh, fuse out for the starter. <laughs> Take another car, buddy. And, was, and then, and then I, he never got to use that car again. So it was basically <laughs> my car. Um, and then, like, I think the first time I did it, he had the car towed to our shop, our mm-hmm. repair shop, which was right next to our headquarters. Right. When I couldn't find the car, I was like, oh, this fucking guy had a toad. <laughs> so I'd walk right across, right next to our police headquarters, yeah. and I'd see the car there, and I would just flea key, open it, open the hood, put the fucking fuse in there, and then drive. <laughs> and I was like, and then I, always, I wish there was like a hidden camera for him to come back the next day and get parked at headquarters. And he's like, oh, they fixed it. Key in. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and the guys at the shop probably thought he was fucking nuts. It's like, dude, it's over here. It's fine. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. Did you ever have the guys that uh, wouldn't cover their face when they sneeze? So when you got in there at night, you saw the blast oh, up into the windshield. <laughs> like, you sick fucker. Or the guys that would wipe their boogers on the side of the stinking seat. It's like, ugh. It's so disgusting. Like, gross. I, my, like, I had. I don't know about you, but like I had multiple duty bags. I had bags that I put in the trunk, and then there was the bag mm-hmm. that was on the passenger seat. Yeah. Because we put one to a car. I had one bag that was strictly cleaning gear. Like oh, it was wow. a bag full of window washing cleaner, mm-hmm. Febreze, mm-hmm. Uh, a tub of uh, Lysol disinfectants. But this was way before COVID. Right. Um, hand sanitizer gel. It was just basically a whole cleaning kit. For the fucking car. Right. Because that's how dirty some of these fucks are. Like, mm-hmm. you, how, how does your fucking house look? Mm-hmm. Or how does your POV look? <laughs> you dirty some, some of them look like a rolling dumpster because I've seen some of these guys when they come to work. I'm like, and that's not why your damn patrol car looks terrible. It's terrible. Terrible. But, you know, it, it's like what we talked about before, Nick. Where's the stripes? I mean, when you became a stripe, I mean, were you over your people like that, too, or walk by the cruise and say, hey, you want to get that bucket of chicken on the floor before you get out of here tonight? Oh, what well, do you mean, Sarge? Yeah. So when we were, like, I'm sure you had to do the same thing. We did vehicle inspections, I think, it was mm-hmm. once, once a month. Yeah. But I really harped on my folks. I, I was very lucky as a sergeant. There was only, like, one really dirty motherfucker. <laughs> he wasn't just dirty like his cruiser was dirty. He was right. just a dirty fucking human being. Ugh. Let me tell you, they don't tell you this when you want to become a sergeant. You you never in your wildest imagination would think that you would have to sit down with a grown human being, a grown man oh, with yeah. a wife and child or children mm-hmm. and tell mm-hmm. them that they smell, that they're dirty. Yeah. That they've worn their 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 uniform far too many times. Mm-hmm. We've all done it. We all try and get at least two or three uses out of a uniform before we throw it in in the dry cleaners. Unless oh, you're yeah. in a tussle, or there's blood, or there's poo poo, or people, right. whatever. This dude would go. I want to say a month or two. Oh my god! And he would sit at his desk because I was in charge of a special unit. Mm-hmm. He would sit at a desk. And then it was funny because the other guys that were in the unit would one by one come in my office and be like, hey, you got to talk to so-and-so because it's, Ugh. I want to throw up. 
Like it smells <laughs> like dirty asshole. <laughs> oh, <God>. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's classic top five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, okay. Damn, yeah. Here we go. And but his response was like, "Really? I I don't smell anything." They're, yeah, they go nose blind to it. It's like, like in the spring where the guys, you know, hey. Time to wash the vest there, bro. When you start warming up outside and that oh. uh, that vest gets a little funky. Well, that's, yeah. you see, you just dated yourself even more because <laughs> today, these folks now are spoiled with the outer carries because right with the outer carry. But I remember the undercarry mm-hmm. fucking work it took to clean that fucking thing. Like, yes. You would have to clean the the carrier that the vest went into, the the Kevlar went into. Mm -hmm. And then if you were smart, you would clean the Kevlar. Mm -hmm. Like today where there's a bazillion products out there now for Kevlar. You remember, remember Mark, back in the day, so many restrictions in the 90s. Don't get wet. Don't yes. soak. Don't do this. Don't do that. Because they were like, it's going to loosen the fibers. And they'd scare the shit out of you. Oh, yeah. To, yeah, the only thing you could do was take a uh, a damp cloth with light whatever, like Dawn uh, dishwashing liquid or something like that, yep. and wipe it off. That's it. That's the only that thing they let it. you do. And that's and what Febreze the fuck out of it. Correct. And what I did was is I took Dawn and water and put it in a spray bottle, and I would shake it up. Oh, yeah. That, that was a good Soak down the Kevlar and wipe it. Hack. Yeah. And then leave it in my locker hanging on a hanger to air dry for the next shift. Yeah. And then, then I would oh, take yes. carrier home with me. And we kept uh, we kept box fans in the locker room just to circulate yeah. the air so they would dry out between shifts. But at least once a week during the summer, because we were on a five and two schedule, uh, that thing came home. The carrier got washed and I hose it off, meaning wipe it down. And I'd, I'd let it air dry outside, just like on the clothesline or, or put it on a hanger and hang it out on the back porch, because that was yeah. the only way you could keep it fresh underneath. Otherwise, it was just. And you yeah. get that funky, I mean, football players can, uh, uh, you know, with, with your pads, when you're doing two a days, because when I was playing football, you know, yeah. and how stinky that stuff would get, that, that's that's how the carriers got. So, Ugh. I, I didn't play football, but like when I was doing figure skating, it was the same. So, I can think of the turn. There, there's a joke I got brewing here. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> well, who was there? Who was who was Tanya Harding's? Uh, I, that, that's who I can't remember. Oh, 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 oh. Tanya Harding and yeah. fuck. Tanya. <laughs> I'm trying to Google this real quick. <laughs> She's from up north. Yeah, I forget you remember real quick. Oh man, it's escaping me. And there's a movie about Margot Robbie was Ta- Tanya and I Tanya. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Fuck, what's her name? The one that got her kneecap shattered. Mm-hmm. Fuck, fuck, fuck. There we go. I just found a Tanya Harding incident. Uh, Nancy Kerrigan. Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah, Nancy That's, and Kerrigan. Yeah. That poor girl, man. Yeah, I was going to say, Tanya Harding or Nancy Kerrigan, which knee are you going to take? <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's funny is, and, and I know this is the Cars episode, but I love reminiscing and us going off and tangent. <laughs> but, like, under carry vest, the folks have no idea like this was pre under armor that pre mm-hmm. oh yeah we only had white t-shirts white t-shirts so on a hot summer day like in, and i'm sure it's the weather gets like that in ohio mm. in, in virginia bro the summers were so fucking brutal i would come home 
yeah. and bring out my T-shirt in sweat. Just literally. Sweat. Yes. And then they came out with the fucking Under Armour shirts. And I, I got nothing against Under Armour. I own a whole bunch of Under Armour shirts, like the loose ones. Mm-hmm. But those ones that they had, that that they advertise, like the dry fit ones. Right. One, I always felt like I was wearing a condom on my body. <laughs> Exactly. And two, I just felt like, I don't know. I felt like I, I was wearing a condom full of water. Like it, Yeah, because it wicked the water away, but it'll, where did it all run? Yeah. Down the crack of your ass. <laughs> so and it made it worse for ass. me. Yeah. I'd have swamp ass. <laughs> I remember getting unchanged and being and my boxers would be like completely drenched. And I'm like. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, and then you realize I don't want this moisture wicking undershirt. No, it, and it's fine if you're running, but you don't want to be wearing that under a. Oh. Uh, and did you did you have the uh, the ribbed? Did you ever use the ribbed shirt that they came out with? Yeah, you know where where, where it kind of held your vest off you like a half inch. It didn't last long. That didn't last no. long for me at all. I tried. I tried the little gadget that some other officer uh, invented, which was the hose that comes <laughs> that you put on the vent and then you tucked it under your vest. Yeah, and then you get fucking pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got you know, and I got another story for you. There was an officer in my old agency, and there were rumblings that he would disappear off the street in the middle of the shift to go to the locker room and go take a shower. Mm-hmm. And get redressed. I know. Super, super unprofessional, right? And I remember being a sergeant. And I was a brand new sergeant. And this officer was assigned to the lower part of the city. Very busy part of the city. Uh-huh. And he's marked out as busy on, on the computer. And I'm a new sergeant. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I call <laughs> up one of his teammates. And I'm like, yo, where is so-and-so? And they're like, Nick, you know where he is. And I'm like, is he? Don't tell me. And so... I fucking uh, go into the locker room and he's in the shower, fucking taking a shower. And he's got his gun belt and everything on the floor, new uniform ready to put on. And I called up the dispatch and I was like, I want you to send him a test call. I want you to send him a test call, priority one call for a shooting. Alert tone, <laughs> alert tone and everything. And they fucking sent it to him and he never, he never responded. Like he never responded. So, soon as he got dressed, I was waiting right outside the locker room, and I was like, yo, come with me. And um, we had a heart-to-heart, and I, I never was an asshole supervisor. I sat down with him, and I was like, you know, check your mobile computer. He's like, I didn't get any calls. I'm Mark Busy. I go, just because you're Mark Busy doesn't mean anything. If everybody gets tied up and you're Mark Busy that you're doing paper, mm-hmm. you're going to get pulled off. I said, what if that was an officer? What if that, that was one of your fellow officers that was in the middle of a shootout? I said, you're in the shower right now. Yeah, you're taking the freaking shower, dude. This just this dumb. He, he wound up getting fired for something else, but he was a fucking dummy, man. Just stupid shit like that. It is, isn't it amazing? But there again, uh, and, and good for you that you address that. Because who was the guy before that allowed that to happen? And this oh, is what I always told my people. Look, today's exception isn't tomorrow's policy. I'm going to help you out today, but this isn't going to become a habit. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And, and our policy was no unauthorized sleeping on duty. And, you know, some, you know, and most of my guys, you know, we're new guys, always came to midnights and uh, they got families at home and worse yet, heaven forbid the guys have young families at home. Yep. You know, they ain't getting any sleep during the day yep. and uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're struggling. I'm like, get your ass on the station and take a nap. 
Yeah. You know, take 30, 45 minutes. Again, not this isn't to this exception isn't tomorrow's policy. Don't make this every night, but yeah, get your stuff squared away. We would even self police ourselves in the group. Like we would butt up cars mm-hmm. and it was an officer that was like, same thing, had a young family at home and stuff. We would turn around. It was a slow night. Buddy system, be like, hey, take take a half an hour, and I got your back. I'll watch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've done that before. Yeah. Not here, you, you pull in. I'll face the street. You yeah. go ahead. You know, doored up. Go ahead and rock your seat back, and you know, snooze it up, and I'll watch. And then when you're done, <laughs> then I go. I but, get to take a nap. Yeah. Funny story about that is, is a a coworker of mine I went to the academy with. Mm-hmm used to do that and we were parked in a shopping center because we were told that we had to when we weren't busy and we were doing paper or we were just fucking off we had to stay in busy areas okay so we're in this busy shopping center and i remember it was like 3 30 in the morning it was a winter night nothing going mm. on it's quiet eerily quiet mark one of those nights where you're like something's gonna pop off you know mm-hmm. and so he's sleeping i'm watching his back and truly watching his back. I'm not on my phone. I'm not on the computer. I'm not fucking around. I'm literally head on a swivel. And we're probably about, I want to say like 100 yards away across the road. I can see a storefront. Oh, wow. I'm watching it. And I'm seeing a figure looking into the window of the business. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so my buddy who's sleeping I want to be a hundred percent sure, you know, like, but it's pitch black dark, but I could see this figure weaving back and forth, looking in the window, weaving yeah. back and forth. And finally I make the decision, Hey, listen, this is going to be a commercial Berg. I got to wake him up. So I wake him up and I go, Hey, um, get, you got to get up. He's like, what's going on? I go, somebody's breaking into the sign store across Duke street. And he's like, he goes, get the fuck out of it. So he's facing away from it. <laughs> so he goes, uh, he goes, are you fucking with me right now? I go, I go, dude, I would not wake you up. Somebody's seriously breaking in. And he's like, all right. He goes, I don't want to pull around you. He goes, I'm going to try and sl- get out of the car. And I'm like, dude, it's like fucking three inches between you and me. <laughs> You're not going to do that, bro. Like, he goes, I'm going to climb over to the passenger side. And it's like a fucking, uh, fucking Three Stooges episode, bro. I swear to God. How about I just put my car in drive and pull forward? Don't do it. You give away our position. I was like, the car's already started. Yeah. I got my warning lights on, but not blinking warning lights, just right. to get those on. Yeah. He's like, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sneak out the passenger side. Oh, God. And he's like, just keep an eye on them. So he gets out. I wound up pull, pulling up anyway because now I got to get out of the car. Right? <laughs> yeah, you ain't doing that shit. I'm not Spider Manning across the fucking. Street, right? <laughs> and I'm not that agile. <laughs> yeah. So of course, I think we had maybe like two, three years on the job, you know, and mm-hmm. we we were fairly new, and so we're we we got our guns out and we're starting to walk the 100 yards, and so excited i get on the radio and i go you know 302 to headquarters i got uh, a, a commercial burglary in progress headquarters is like 302 come again i'm like i got a commercial burglary in progress 3000 block of duke street send me units and i we're getting closer and we're creeping and we're creeping and we're creeping and we both realize that at the same time it is a bush <laughs> 
blowing in the wind. In the wind. <laughs> Hitting the window. <laughs> Hitting the window. Whoops. And he looks at me, and it's cold, dude. We yeah. weren't wearing our jackets because we were in the car. Right. It was cold. And he looked at me, and he was like, you are a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Dispatch disregard. (laughs) That's the most embarrassing part because you could hear the sirens in the distance. Oh, yeah. You just woke everybody else up, too. (laughs) And so one by one, you hear them shutting off. Mark, you know this. They're still fucking coming. Oh, yeah, they are. They want to hear the story. (laughs) And so the way our unit numbers worked was 300 was... The lieutenant on duty, 301 yeah. was the sergeant, and then it went succession by officer, three, 302, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, of course, this was the dickhead sergeant that I worked for. <laughs> I hear on the radio, 301, send me the call. And I was like, hey, 302 to 301, it's going to be, it's not going to be a bird. Right. He goes, 10-4, still send me the call. And I'm like, Fuck. <laughs> I had to fucking debrief him and he was fucking pissed. Then I got the riot act and I was like, can't you just enjoy the funny story? <laughs> we can be a dick for all the time. Why? Just because you're miserable doesn't mean everybody has to be miserable. Yeah, I'm like, are you fucking, why are you a miserable prick? You know, like <laughs> just that I thought of that story because, <laughs> you know, because as we tell these stories, it's funny because the cars, I remember the cars very well because of how easy they were to maneuver right Uh, what car were you in then at that point i was still in a crown vic okay i was still in a crown vic it was towards the tail end of crown vics like they were they were getting worked out of the system Mm -hmm. they were trying to cross over um to chargers ah yeah garage queens yeah horrible transmissions Mm -hmm. um the chief at the time not the dickhead chief that i had but the chief at the time was like we're gonna go 100 percent dodge charger fleet so he must have attended some sort of dodge presentation or something (laughs) well we um i being a fleet manager for my small department um i used to go to an event and shout out to our good friend lisa mcdade and the um the kingwell one brother anyway, uh, is a thing called uh, Police Fleet Expo. And uh, they had that year around the country year round. And we would be able to go down there and drive all the different cars and be able to meet the people that that built them and, and the engineers, which is really cool. Um, so I, I like the Charger. And uh, it's it's a good vehicle for take-home cars. Yes. But uh, nothing as robust as the Crown Vic was. And, and um give a little bit of history that platform of crown Vic went from 1979 to 2011 september 15th of 2011 the last crown Vic rolled off the line and ended up going to saudi arabia so the last so it was kind of cool that uh uh, the saint thomas plant in uh, canada they everyone i think all the plant workers signed the underside of the hood but man Mm. what about give my it to have the last crown Vic? Aren't they bringing it back? I heard rumors they were bringing back. Right? There's that rumor is always out. Yeah. And um, from my contacts, and I, I don't know, did I share this with you that I was on the Ford Police Advisory Board for from 2012 to 2015? So on my contacts, my friends that are still there, uh, they're like, no, the name's not coming back, um, not anytime soon. 
But because uh, Ford's transitioning out of sedans, the last I saw, that's why they got rid of the, uh, the Taurus. The, uh, yeah, yeah, the Taurus was was terrible. The, the 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 police versions, you know, you got the interceptor sedan, which is based on the Taurus platform, and then the interceptor utility based upon the uh, Explorer. But um, I like the Explorer, but the Taurus was too small. Like, oh yeah, and well, so is the Charger. Oh, I whack yeah. my head every time I get in the Charger. And the same thing with the with the sedan is because that slope of the A pillar in the front, you know, anybody with any size, you know, because they they put a lot of effort into the sedan, and then uh, when they come out, ah, well, we'll try the utility too because it's the same platform. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the only difference is the utility is three hundred pounds heavier. It's the same transmission, same platform, same wheel, same tire, same, 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 same. So you can have basically the same thing. And then we got what's called the Crown Vic mentality. So you know, from nineteen ninety eight when they come out with that design change. So the ninety seven was the last one that I drove there in Covington. And then by the time I went to the sheriff's department, they were buying um, the. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the the, the newer style um, Crown Vic. So from 98 to 2011 is basically the same car. And then same 2003 is where kind of they had a really big uh, changeover in the front end. They went to McPherson Strut, uh, um, front suspension. Uh, yeah. And uh, a, a tool tune up of the uh, 4.6 liter v- V8. And uh, so from the 03 and newer, uh, those are really great cars. Um so, but from 98 to 2011, they were just swapping equipment out. And that's oh, what yeah. come up with that attitude, the Crown Vic. You just bought a new car and took all the old shit off the other one. So when my 2011 came out of service, it had the partition in it from a 1998 model car. Oh, <laughs> so they swapped over equipment. So the theory was then was, so how much of this equipment could we take out of these Crown Vics and make fit? these new cars because of that attitude, which was, you know, it, it, it was just the crown and, and that's why I call it the crown Vic mentality. And and once we realized, you know, we're doing a lot of extra work to try and make this shit fit, just, yeah. you know, sell it, leave the car built, sell it that way and just buy stuff that fits your new platform. So that's what uh, we decided at my agency to uh, go with the utility. I went to a, a ride and drive event over at uh, Lucas oil field that Ford uh, sponsored, which is in Indianapolis. And I tell you what, I was super impressed with the utility. Wasn't the fastest car in the world. Now, if you got the EcoBoost, the twin turbo, yeah. But yeah. what are we? We're the government. You get the cheapest shit money buys. Well, <laughs> I'm not spending all that extra money for an engine that runs fast. Yep. Okay. So we got the regularly aspirated. But hell, you know, the, the 4.6 liter V8 was what, 260, 280 horsepower? And that V6 was 305. It's like. Yeah. And if you're in a, a city, urban area, you don't really need much. Yeah. To- you don't need much power. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's what my boss said. Well, you don't need all that power. How do you know what I need? Yeah. <laughs> you out there run the interstate at night, you know, chasing people down like I am? No. They wouldn't let us on the interstate, even though 95 and 395 run through the city. They would they would really get down on us about, like, running traffic on the interstate. They were like, that's what, that's what state police is for. You need to be in the city dealing with city crime. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, and that, yeah, we we had a little bit of that too. But you know but, what? I hear uh, every once in a while, like if you're if you're using the interstate to get from one part of the city to the other, and you see mm-hmm. something, yeah, by all means. But we had folks, and I and I do agree because when I became a sergeant and so on, I started to see it. I start started to see officers that wanted mm-hmm. to be troopers. 
So they would yeah. hang on 95 and they'd run radar and they'd get somebody for, you know, a hundred miles an hour. And then it would tie them up for three, four hours with a DUI. <laughs> or like that. And you're like, right. well, while that's going on, we got officers banging calls for service for domestics and like real crime, you know, and, and I'm not downgrading DW right. are a real crime, but that is the reason why that there are state troopers there. If you want to be a state trooper, go to, yeah. go to state school. Or, or why doesn't the agency have a traffic division? You know, if you want to run traffic, then here, get on the traffic division, do it there. Yeah. You know, and, and that's where, uh, that's where the charger really shines. That Hemi charger. <laughs> we didn't man, that. that dude runs great. Yeah. The, we got the cheap ass, uh, V6, V6. Mm-hmm. like Mercedes Benz transmission. So at 60,000 miles, they were pouring <laughs> them in the street up, dude, like, <laughs> The two major accidents that I had, both of those were with uh, Dodge Chargers. Is that right? Yep, yep. The one uh, I can tell you, probably FD Donnie could probably talk to it too, is is that mm-hmm. Chargers, they cut up real nice by the jaws of life. <laughs> I had lunch with FD today, and he was talking about his uh, vehicle. Extra, we were talking about a class that he did for vehicle. I need what do you call it? Extra, 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 whatever. Extraction. People. Yeah, extraction. There we go. Yeah. Extraction. Yeah. I got to send you a picture of the uh, the Dodge Charger that they'd cut the roof off and peeled it back to get me out of the car. Oh, my God. Were you okay? It was bad. I was going lights and siren through an intersection. And I've said this a million times on this show. If you're running lights and siren, folks, you should be stopping at an intersection or at least Absolutely. make eye contact with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never one of those people that were like, lights and siren beats Rock, paper, scissors, and you just <laughs> right. And um, I had made it through the intersection. I was just about to clear it, and this lady went around an ambulance that was stopped at the at the intersection. She went around it. She t-boned me. I spun around three times. Oh, good lord! When I spun around, my head hit the shotgun rack. I was out. Mm. I remember anything? I woke up to them cutting me out of the car. That's oh man, and um. Sorry, I had to go through that. Oh, it was you know what? That was nothing compared to having uh, the sheriff's deputy like six months later serve me with a three million dollar lawsuit. Whoops. Yep. And that got thrown out of court, and then she sued me again for three million dollars. <laughs> and that got thrown out. And then that, oh. but that one got far. Like if you've never been in a deposition, it's oh yeah. You're, they suck. Like I was putting my bank accounts in my wife's name. I mean, it was bad. I, I was very, very scared I was going to lose. Um, I mean, they subpoenaed my social media accounts. They oh were, yeah, had that done too. Yeah, they they fuck they fucking they run well. And, and and while you're talking about that, Nick, for everyone that's listening right now, if you're a homeowner, talk to your insurance agent. I'm not being paid to say this, but I'm just telling you from experience is that you can get a million dollar liability uh writer for your home and it's minimal and it is so worth it you know so and that's what they talk about oh what about your pension and what about well you need to start talking about some civil liability and and it's just like with you you're just out doing your damn job in this clown and was she found at fault in the crash so um the officer that showed up at the accident was not a big fan of mine Oh, good Lord. And fucked the whole investigation. He didn't even oh my have a citation for failure to uh, to uh, yield an emergency vehicle. And if he had done that, it would have been a done deal. 
But uh-huh. what she did was is she waited to file the suit. So the statute of limitations was two years. She waited till one year. Eight months. Month or something. <laughs> yeah. and, That's what they do. Yeah. And and so you can't retroactively charge her that this officer right. do his job. And of course he's a sergeant now. And uh you know, on top of that, when they took my cruiser to the shop because it was totaled, I mean, they cut the top off. They weren't going to mm-hmm. repair it. All of my gear went missing. Everything, oh, no. All of my shit, my, my duty bags, all my shit. And guess who had to pay for all that stuff? Because it was city oh. property. Me. You did. Yeah. Yeah. And then they found, then we found it a year later, hidden in a closet in headquarters. Somebody from fleet took it out and put it in this closet and didn't tell anybody. So of course, when I go to the city finance and I say, Hey, I'd like my $750 back. They were like, go pound sand. Yeah. You can eat it. Okay, yeah. cool. Now I own this equipment. It's sitting in my garage. <laughs> Everyone. I'm laugh. not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing at the hypocrisy yeah. of it. It's so, it's so fucking bonkers. Bro. And they so- wonder why cops are all bailing out of this industry, you know, and then they're wanting to take, uh, uh, what are the, um, qualified immunity away from us. Oh, that's coming. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you people out there? You know, you're going to have crime rampant in the streets now. Yeah. And, you know, how, how are you going to protect these guys who are just trying to do their job? Yeah, you know, and, and, and in my world, uh, we would always have an outside agency do the investigation just, just to have mm-hmm. someone else, another set of eyes on it. And I always recommend doing your own parallel. So for like in, in ours, we either had the state agency or the county agency come take the crash and then. I always recommend it. No, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to just compare notes. We have both agencies there, both agencies doing the same work. It's not my who who's bigger than yours. Yep. It's we both should come up with the same result at the end. And if we don't, we need to sit down and talk about this because someone's not doing the math right or whatever else. So always insist. And if they don't, you know, there's tons of retired accident recon guys out there. Tons of them. Hey, buddy. You know, let me pay you a couple of hundred, take a look at these numbers for me or yeah. this crash scene and come up with your own and do that immediately because you're so right, Nick. They will wait to the end of the statute of limitations running out and they'll drop that lawsuit. Yep. And I and and um, I think the, the person who fucked like the officer who fucked me over, like he was really pissed because in Virginia, you have to do what's called an FR 300. It's like a, a fucking like long report, like mm-hmm. it's diagrams and it's it's calculations and shit like that and it was before it was automated like we had like shortly after that we had a report management system where it was basically mm-hmm. filling in idiot blocks yeah it wasn't there d- during that time and so th- this this lady after she hit me she bounced off of me and she hit three parked cars so that was a lot of fucking work man <laughs> a lot of fucking work I, I i wouldn't like to do it but i also well, but- fuck somebody you know? Yeah, the, yeah, the crash recon guys. That's what they do. That's your bread and butter. I mean, Ooh. I love doing impaired driver enforcement. Everybody's like, "Oh, I hate doing in in Ohio. It's OVI, but everywhere else is DUI or yeah. DWI, whatever." I love, I love doing impaired driver. Same, same. I loved it. I loved it so much that I had it down to a science where, when we did DUI details, I would get mm-hmm. like three or four in one night because I I streamlined yeah. the process of paperwork, so I would be. I would go drop one off, get the intoxilizer done, get that, go to the magistrate, go get the warrants, fill out everything I needed to do and get back on the street. And I'd save the report for later on. Yeah. Get it done. Yeah. Triple, quadruple stack it till the end of the night. And it was, it was, it was fun because you would get yeah. people off the street that were 
double the legal limit, you know? Um, and, but there are folks like you and I, there aren't, there, they aren't out there anymore, my friend. Cause no. as a civilian, I drive around and I'm like, that person's drunk. And there is, oh, yeah. there is a difference between playing on your phone and being drunk. Like, uh, Susan and I were coming back from feeding the horses the other day. Uh, we were down in uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. And if everybody's familiar with uh, uh, Route 19 uh, that runs up the West Coast, it's uh, three lanes each direction, north and south. And we're rolling along. And this guy's in, in lane number two, which is the middle lane. And he is, he, I mean, he is line to line damn near. And she's like, what's wrong with this guy? I said, he's drunk as fuck <laughs> I said, let's hurry him get around him because if we get too close to him i may have to pit him <laughs> and, I, and i think like you probably were the same you were probably were the same way i could probably i could pretty much pinpoint what their bac was uh oh yeah and i was like, J- just with the eyes with sfsts and i was yeah. i was pretty accurate i was plus or minus like oh three like I was, yeah I was pretty accurate after a while and even as a sergeant man i still signed up for those dude those um DUI details like I love oh yeah I love doing them going to court for them sucks uh at first oh I love going to court dude loved it but a lot of our defense attorneys after a while they got to know that you were fucking you were no shit square that's right like they walk into the prosecutor and say "Mm, what are you offering yeah yeah we don't want to go trial on this what are you offering yeah Virginia was a standard deal like you pay this attorney five ten thousand dollars but it was a standard deal I mean oh really yeah you can go in there yourself (laughs) <laughs> represent yourself and be like, Hey, I want to plead guilty. Um, what kind of offer do I get? And it's like one, eight, 180 days suspended, restricted license. Um, and then like passing alcohol safety classes was really low for the first offense. Mm-hmm. Really, really low. And all you had to do is just stay clean for 180 days. Like don't get in any trouble. And that's yeah, it. That's easy enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I didn't like about the OVI laws is, you know, they kept wanting to make them stiffer and stiffer and stiffer because of these repeat offenders. It's like, you know, the poor guy that that's, uh, you know, he's a family man now and he doesn't party with the boys and say mm-hmm. they're out at a wedding and they're throwing back up. Yeah, let's do some shots like we used to. You know, he's had one too many. And then, hey, guys, I got to go. And he doesn't realize that valve at the bottom of your stomach's going to open up here in a minute. Yeah. Dump all that alcohol right in your upper intestine. And that's the guy that gets screwed. Yeah. Whereas these guys that are habitually driving drunk, you know, uh, public defender guys or just don't have a license and don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, those are the guys that just, how are these guys out of jail? And, and why are we, why are we making the laws stiffer and stiffer for the people that we just want to minister to justice on, you know? Well, and, and I don't typically on this show, I typically don't get into debates of like sentencing and how crazy sentencing is and maybe that's that's probably an episode that should happen (laughs) and it's just insanity we should have a a municipal court prosecutor come on say here here's how it's really like guys (laughs) let's make a deal time (laughs) maybe i I do have a phone call into the manhattan da's office to see if he'll come on the show but i don't (laughs) They tell me he's pretty busy. Mr. Bragg. Yeah. They tell me he's busy. Um, but, uh, but it's insanity that like you can get more jail time for having, you know, like a half a pound of weed. Yeah. And your third DUI is like five days in jail. Like it's insanity. Like, so when we talk about organizations that I fully get behind, like mad. Mm hmm always support them like i'm 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 so for what they're talking about oh sure there are parts 
the, let me back up. There are parts where lowering the BAC down to 0.05, I think, is a little aggressive because when you see somebody at a 0.05 versus a 0.08, 0.09, there mm-hmm. is a drastic difference. Um, yes, and, and and to stipulate to that, because I, I run the wet lab uh, at mm-hmm. the academy, and a lot of people's like, oh, my God, I'm so fucked up. And we, we test them. They're like, oh, four, oh, five. I'm like, mm, we ain't there yet. And they're like, we're going to keep drinking. I'm like, yeah, I need to get you up to 0. 0.08 or 0. 0.10. And by the time we get them there, they're blasted. And they're, some people are, you know, not able to perform. But I, I think that the 05, I, I don't I don't embrace that. I think 08 is, is a good number. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in, in Uber and Lyft, you know, what I what I disagree with is the fact that I think the law is working. Mm-hmm. But with these old hats that our administrators are still trying to set the standard or they did pre pre covid mm-hmm. uh, with with like back in the 90s. Uh, and back in the early 2000s where it was like shooting fish in a barrel. It's like, it just, you know, there's been nights where I've gotten three OVIs in the shift and the eight hour shift. Yeah. You know, it's like th- those days aren't there anymore. You know, it, it's hard to find one a week anymore. Yeah. Uh, and when I, at the end of my career. So, you know, people are smarter. I mean, like the bars in my city, you know, they had some of their, like their bar back was an Uber driver. Hey man, you need a ride? Yeah. Here, get on your app and you know, Rocco here will take you home. But I so thought that's what they started doing. That. I find pleasure in that. If if the DUI yeah. numbers are going down, not because that there are less people doing DUIs, because that could probably be the, the issue too, is is that these young these younger officers don't have the mentors that, that you and I like I had a DUI right. guy in my department. This guy got used to get two hundred and fifty DUIs a year. Mm-hmm. So he was the guy to go to when I was getting rejections uh for the preliminary breath test out on the street. I went right. to him and I was like, listen, I can't get anybody to blow into the, the PBT. And he's like, do a DUI on me right now to go through everything. And I would go through everything. And he was like, it's your presentation for the PBT. He's like, mm-hmm. your sobriety tests. Perfect. He goes, it's your presentation for the PBT. You're basically uh, giving him an opportunity or he, her an opportunity to, to bow out of it instead of putting it in a way where it benefits them. Yeah, he goes. It's all about making them feel like it benefits them, and then from that moment on, I never got a rejection from a PBT, and I never. And, but the other right. thing is, I wasn't real dependent on PBT. Like, no, uh, you know that's that's. I don't want to say junk science, but it's not a hundred percent accurate. Like correct, it, and in Ohio, it's not admissible either because the uh, preliminary uh, breath tester is just. Most of them test a little bit, ho- uh, I'm sorry, low anyway. Yes. And the reason why I carried them uh, in the cars was because we, we used to have a lot of underage uh, drinking parties. Yep. And whenever yep. we got called there, I mean, we had like 20, 30 kids we were processing. Yep. So if we each had one, had a bag of mouthpieces, we could bang them out pretty quick. I would much so. rather them run out the back door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because where, exactly. Where I was a cop, it was right outside of DC, and all these kids were fucking rich political kids. Mm-hmm. And their parents started showing up to release them. And yep. it was a fucking headache, man. It oh, was, yeah. It was you, like, you I fuckers, didn't you have anything better to do? I'd much rather yeah, I do, do, really. But now I got called here, so I'm dealing yeah. with your stupid kids. So. I, and, and as a sergeant, I remember officers marking up and being like, hey, I'm uh, I'm responding to a call with uh, might be an underage drinking party. I would fucking grab my cell phone and be like, yo, <laughs> I to fuck your <laughs> night up and fuck mine up. So yeah. 
I would do the um, super bad from super bad movie <laughs> or, and yell. If you don't want to get locked up, get the fuck out of here. It's <laughs> it's it's out, but like juvenile domestic court is fucking terrible. Man. Yeah. It's a lot of work and that nothing happens to these kids anyway. And it's just, it's part of life, man. It's part of life. But, uh, it, but we're, uh, we're hitting the, the one hour mark on here. Um, Mark, no pun intended. Yeah. Mark and Mark. So what's your favorite car? I'm going to have to say uh, my favorite car was just before I left the agency, which was the Tahoe. I was a supervisor and I had a Tahoe. All right. Uh, I liked it because it was super, super spacious. I was able to carry a lot of shit, um, but I didn't carry suspects as a supervisor. So I didn't have a cage in it. So it was even Ooh, more. Oh, nice. Yeah. But I took a, a but I would drive around with my, my, uh, my unit. Like I would have somebody in the passenger seat, somebody in the back. Mm-hmm. And we would like roll up in the, in the hood and jump out of the car. And then if we had an arrest, we'd have an officer come with a cage, take them and we'd go to booking. Um, not a great car, high speeds at all. Like just right. not good for, for pursuits, not good to go lights and siren and definitely not good in the rain at all. The snow, fantastic. But other than that, I did not like, I love that car. Um, and I was sad to see it uh, get retired out. Um, but I liked it. What was yours? Uh, my favorite car is the, uh, I like the 2016, the 2019, uh, the interceptor utility with the, uh, EcoBoost, Very uh, nice. 365 horsepower car. I didn't have one personally. Now my personal car was a Ford Explorer sport, but, uh, that car, that platform, I think was one of the best ones around as, you know, as fast as zero to 60, zero to 80, zero to hundred. Uh, that car, particularly the reason why I liked it so well is because that's, the one platform I had some influence on when I was on the board. Yeah. Um, I think that my, one of my favorite cars overall ever is the 1987 to 90 Chevy Caprice. Ooh. And that's because the trunk, you know, was big and wide and it wasn't deep. You know, the car ran great. It handled great. Uh, it was roomy inside, but overall that was, that's my favorite overall car, but favorite, uh, cruiser now would be the interceptor utility. Now I understand everybody right now is complaining about the 2020 and newer, uh, utility. Uh, yeah, there were some problems with that thing and, and Ford's working that out. But, um, a couple of quick things, uh, like the charger all wheel drive. Some people's like, Oh, I like the all wheel drive. But with that platform, you have to trigger the all wheel drive, like turn on the windshield wipers or has to be below a certain temperature. or It's still a two wheel drive platform. But uh, with the Tahoe, the modern Tahoe is a nice car. It's just, it's big and it's not some of the, some of the officers talking about how slow everything is. And like, you guys realize back in the day they drove Chevy citations with a four cylinder and Chrysler K cars. (laughs) Some of the junk that used to be out there that they were putting out as police cars and kind of the trend. Now I saw where New York city has the, uh, the Ford mock E all electric as a patrol car. And I get it for New York because your average speed up there, I think they, uh, their fleet manager did a presentation and he said, your average speed's 23. Yeah. It's you not know, a lot of walking beats up there. You know, the only reason why I shake my head and I'm a, I'm a Tesla owner and mm-hmm. I know LAPD has a whole bunch of Teslas. They have a lot of BMW electric cars. I know NYPD, but I will tell you this is, is I shake my head because, uh, I know how officers are in, in like New York city and in mm-hmm. LA. They're going to run these cars um, down to nothing and not charge them. Right. And leave the next person fucked. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought that up. It's like, okay, so you want to go all electric. Well, you have to double your fleet. Yes. Because that car's going to have to sit, what, eight hours to charge? Uh, well, no. If you do it, if you do it right and you put in um, a, a super fast charger, you can charge the car to 80% in about 20, 25 minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, the, the infrastructure is there for you to charge. But the other part is, is that there's battery degradation. So if you charge constantly to 100% every single time, the battery mm-hmm. starts to degradate. Um, and that's that's what Tesla faces. That's what all these EV cars face is, is that eventually you're not going to get the mileage that you're getting when you first get it. Yeah, um, because your battery is going to develop that memory. Well, that and is also, that what you mean? Well, no, it degradates it degradates the the, the cells in the battery. The okay, you start losing the charge the charge amount. The other part is is that your range for these EV cars changes based on weather. If it's cold out, you're oh, going to get yeah. less range. Right. If it's hot out, you're going to get less range because you're putting your air conditioning on. You're putting all these different. Right. They all take electric. So when you look at sticker uh, sticker of like a Tesla or a Mach-E and you see mm-hmm. 300 miles, it's really not 300 miles. It's probably 260. Uh, right. It's, it's, it's kind of like I like I, I think of it like the movie Apollo 13. Every time mm-hmm. you put on a switch, ampage goes up and, and you're able to use less and less things. So right. um, they're great, great cars. They're fast as fuck. Um, mm-hmm. But also with the EV cars, the other big investment that you're going to be making as a cruiser with EV cars is tires. You're going oh, to yeah. eat through tires like fucking crazy. At 24,000, really? 25,000 miles, those back tires are going to need to be changed. Oh, wow. Torque on these things are so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so. And these are things that EV owners know about. Like, and the non EV owners, when they buy EVs, they're like, oh, shit. Like, I'm already buying a fucking pair of tires. Yeah. (laughs) Because they are fast as shit cars. They're off the line. They are fucking crazy fast. Um, But, like, I know uh, LAPD has a whole bunch of Teslas and stuff, and they're experiencing mm-hmm. the problem, which is is that they look great, uh, but they are seven year cars. They, they're, they're yeah, really- and that's a substantial investment Huge. for a seven year asset. I, I can tell you that Lao, you know, it's forty thousand. You know, it used to be twenty five thousand, and they're all jacking the prices up. Yeah. And then you're going to add another twenty thousand. So conservatively, you're thinking sixty thousand dollars for this asset, yeah. one car. One car. Okay. So now you're going to take it. What, what's, what does the average cost of an EV? What would your Tesla cost? If you don't, or average cost, not what you paid, but you know, what, what does one cost? <laughs> Tesla. A base Tesla. Model three, probably like 50 grand, 55 grand. All right. So now you're 10 to $15,000 more yep. for cars is going to give you less service. Right. You know, and, and, and that's, I, I, and, and personally, as far as Mark, the cop's concerned, I think the hybrid's the way to go. Yeah, yeah I really do. I, I, you know, the, the, um, everybody's like, well, it'll look the hybrid. Well, it, but you're going to have to get used to it. It's just like in 95, we thought the world was coming to an end when the Chevy Caprice went away. And in 2011, we thought the world was coming to an end again when my favorite car, the Crown Vic went away. Yep. You know, so what are we going to go to next? And right now is, is, you know, I know that the government's pushing for these EVs to be out there yep. and, uh, Back-end usage is the Achilles heel of any fleet program. I know when we went from Crown Vic to the uh, utility, uh, Crown Vic's got 
8 to 10 mile to gallon. I started getting 15 to 17 mile to gallon. Crown Vicks, I was putting brakes and tires on at 10,000 miles. And with the new ones, it was 15 to 20. Yeah. Wow. It's just like getting a raise. So I know with the EVs and fuel consumption, okay, we're not spending money on gasoline. What's going to be the big back end cost on battery replacement, charger stations? You know, you get the knucklehead. Oh, it's a hot call. Sarge, I forgot to unplug it. And I blew out of the wherever charging station. I ripped the cable off. Yep. You know, well, how, how test crash worthy are they? You know, um, you know, the, the utility, the Ford utilities test rear test crashed at 75 miles an hour. Yeah. You know, unfortunately I've been witness to a few of those crashes, you know, how are the EVs holding up? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the big, uh, the big thing is that you can make the EVs work if they're assigned to the right, uh, correct specialty units like mm-hmm. uh, uh, parking enforcement ev car good idea school resource officer ev car good idea community policing good idea but as a workhorse as a, no. as a grunt like even detectives you know detectives you can give them model uh tesla model uh, model threes the low model mm-hmm. ones right. that have 280 mile um because they're not they're not going lights and siren they're not going anywhere, man. Like, right. You know, like, so you can make them work. It's, I don't think that we'll ever get to the point where it'll be a hundred percent EV unless the, and, and it is going to happen. The ranges continue to keep expanding. Cause right. I remember when EVs first came out, 90 miles was a lot. Now you're, talking, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Talking 350 miles on a charge. Right. And they're only going to get bigger, man. I mean, you're, you'll see to the point where you're going to get 600 miles to a full charge. But the longer the range, the longer it's going to ch- take to charge to get to that range. So right, right. 15, right now it's probably 15 to 25 minutes at 80%. In, 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 at 600 miles, you're looking at probably an hour for it to charge, which isn't that bad because during the downtime, you just hook it up. And it charges. Right. It's that one knucklehead, just like the one that I used to have to pull the fuse. <laughs> right. It's going to be it's like, like, it's like, dude, you drive right by a gas station to get the post, pull in and fill it up. They never did. There's always that one. And then people that are listening to this are going to be like, my fucking cruiser mate does that shit all the time to me. <laughs> yeah, they do. And there's some ways you can have fun with those people too. pull the fuse out. Pull the fuse or fill the car with trash when you get off duty so they have to deal with it. Exactly. Or literally pull up, pull up to the uh, trash can there at the speedway and load the front floor up and say, here you go, buddy. Because if the stripe isn't going to do anything to him, what do you think he's going to do to you? Yeah. Fill up the car with uh, helium balloons. <laughs> Look at us just giving bad, bad. <laughs> oh, well, there's a will, there's a way. All right, Mark, we got to wrap this one up. This has been a uh, fantastic episode. Yeah, good time. Uh, folks, I want you to uh, go ahead and tune into The Shield Within. Um, I've been on the show. It's a, a fantastic show. Um, we also have a joint show, uh, off-duty and on the air. Uh, we did one episode. We're going to be doing another one pretty soon. Uh, we Our website is finally back up, fuckyouwix.com. Um <laughs> Our website is rollcallroom.com and our new email address is rollcallroompodcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't email us at our other email address anymore, fuckyouwix.com. Um, and um, Mark, anything you want to say uh, to, to uh, end the show? Fuck you, Wix. 
<laughs> and if you're out there still doing the job, thank you very much for your, your willingness to be out there and put yourself out there. Take care of yourself. Take care of your partners. Remember, be people first when you're out there working. Um, and, and most of all, take care of yourself. If you're willing to go out there and, and take care of people that you don't know, just take that extra five minutes a day and have a little bit of self-care. Awesome. I love that advice. I wish I would have come up with it. All right, folks, uh, be safe out there. Take good care of each other. And uh, if you need anything, please reach out. Fuck you, Wix.com. All right, everybody, have a great night. Fuck you, Wix.com. All right, Roll Call Room fans, we are back from break. Uh, I'm super excited. I've got a, a guest with me, uh, Scott uh, Scott Medlin, right? Yes. Yeah, right. Okay. Cause you have the, like a last name, like I have, like my last name, my last name that like it's butchered, butchered. So I want to make sure I got it. <laughs> uh, so if you don't know Scott, um, I know Scott uh, from, from LinkedIn and, and, and I've been watching his stuff for a while. He's a, he's an author, author, just like, uh, just like me uh, and his books fall right in line with the roll call room mission and, and, and what we talk about. Uh, so Scott, tell everybody about yourself, uh, specifically, you know, where you came from, uh, and, and your books. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on Nick and I, to all the listeners, I hope you're doing very well. Uh, yeah, I, I got into law enforcement in 2007 after graduating college, getting out of the Marines where I did two tours in Iraq. And anyway, uh, from 2007 to 2022, I was sworn, uh, but 2020, January of 2020 is when a lot of things changed for me in the sense that I was enraged because that's when I learned after being on the job for what, 12, 13 years, like I can't do the quick math. Anyway, um, I, I, that's when I learned for the first time that more police officers were dying by their own hands and being killed by say a gun, gunfire and all this stuff that enraged me. Cause I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, why am I learning about this for the first time? You mean all these mental health struggles I went through, I wasn't, abnormal. I like I was going through things other people were going through and I had no idea. I felt isolated. I didn't know where it could, there could be help. So that's when it just, the, it was fuel for the fire for me to write my first book, mental health fight of the heroes in blue. I said, I've, I've just got to get something out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I did that and I started a YouTube channel. I've, I've got a podcast. I've had the amazing blessing of literally speaking from coast to coast to police officers just encouraging them, inspiring them and saying, we have got to take our lives back. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not some boring mental health checklist. It's not, it's, it's just inspiring yourself and sticking with it through the hard times, which can ac actually make you stronger. And that's pretty much the journey in a nutshell as, as of right now. Well, <clears throat> it's, it's crazy because it's, it's very, it's very similar to, uh, to where I was like, um, 2020 was for you. 2019 was for me. So it was mm -hmm. a year prior. When you were going through all of that stuff, were there as many, how do I put this? Were there as many outlets for you to figure out that it wasn't just you going through that? Meaning, were there any really good books discussing it? Were there any podcasts? And, and now there's a bazillion cop podcasts, bazillion of them. Yeah. Which is good. Which is right. good. But at the time in 2020, were you, were there any books or any podcasts that were out that were kind of like, Hey, listen, I'm going through it too. And had people on like you and I are discussing at that time. Not media wise. Our chief bought, uh, 
I forget his name. I, I know so the people are going to be like, how could you forget him? But the, the book emotional survival for law enforcement, uh, uh, yeah, the, the yeah. classic. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, so anyway, the, the chief uh, at the department where I was working, he handed, he issued that to everybody. And when I read it, I was like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Wow. Th- this is this is me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so um, that was it. That, that was that one book. And then the uh, the chaplain, he, he did the, the chief at the time did. Uh, well, he's still there. He did restart the chaplain program. So I utilized the chaplain quite a bit. And I didn't care if anyone found out about it or, or you know, I, I didn't care what others thought. I would rather be better mentally and physically mm-hmm. and spiritually and socially and, and a lot happier than just dwelling in misery. So I utilized the chaplain as well. But that was it. Just those two. Yeah. And, and I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the the red and white book. Uh, <laughs> Do, Dr. Gil Martin, I think it is. That's Yes, that's and his I, name. Sorry, and, Dr. Gil Martin. I forgot. No. <laughs> and he's, and listen, he is awesome. He's That book is awesome. It's it's kind of on the older side of things. But yes, yes. Funny how even now that still relates. But what's yeah. even funnier about it is it's like a standard book that all chiefs of police. I think at the IACP must meet. And, and and they say to all the chiefs, hey, buy this book and give it out to all of your folks and they'll be just fine. <laughs> right. They'll Which read is a this- total lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like just read this one book. It's going to fix all of your problems, buddy. It's right, right. Cool. Just, just like you can go to the gym once and be in the best shape of your life. <laughs> you know knowledge is only i love the phrase knowledge is only power when it's applied i mean yeah yeah. you have to apply what you learn and you have to stick with it yeah and i want to say i think in my old department i think they they had gil dr gil martin come and do a presentation at my department i think i remember that but i wasn't struggling at that time so my brain was like why are we doing this like what what is it about yeah I was one of those like and so now the the complete reverse is do you find folks that like with your books are people reaching out to you like specifically after that first book were they reaching out to you saying man I read your book this related to me this is this is like this this is poignant stuff were you getting all that when you first wrote the book Yeah my first book I was actually still active on the job and I had really? officers who, yes, I had officers who I worked with were saying you, this is incredible. They were just like, you pointed out so many things, but also you didn't make it seem complicated at all. So far as mm-hmm. how to actively cope and build as a person, uh, b- because essentially when we, when we stop growing as people, we, it's kind of like a plant when it stops growing it, it dies. So we as humans need to grow as well. And I pointed that out in the book that uh, we need to be aware of how we are and, and really be honest with ourselves. And yeah, I was getting great feedback and I was very honored. And, and uh, but yet at the same time, it was just, I was so shocked as to how many officers came up to me. And, and I just realized I was not the only one. And, and yeah. that, that was huge. Isn't that crazy? That's mm-hmm. really crazy. The fact that you wrote that while you were still on is f- folks that are not in law enforcement have no idea no idea how much of an anomaly that is yeah. uh, it's like it's like having a cop podcast and still being on like still being a cop like like you got to be really careful about what you say oh yeah you got to be yes. you got to just do fitness podcasts like you, you, <laughs> right. you know, you're not allowed to talk about like the job you know it's like hey this is how you do these curls this is how you do it you know and uh 
I, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, your your book, the the first thing is, is the cover of the book is really, really good. And oh, thanks. I have this obsession with book covers, man. I think when you do a book, the book cover really, I don't want to be cliche. You can't judge a book, book by its cover, but you truly can because um, I'm going to send you a private message on LinkedIn of what my original book concept was for the first book okay you saw this thing you'd be like good call nick <laughs> that you did not use this book that you didn't use it um and like i look at it now and i'm like nobody would have read this book <laughs> but your book cover it, it's spot on i really like it um and and i'm always encouraging people that that write these type of books uh, i always encourage people to go and go read these books like in any way that you can um, get a hold of it, you know? Um, so you write the first one, how long after do you write the second one? So the second one's 101 health tips for police officers, right? Yes. I wrote that. Oh, five, six months after the first one. I mean, I got after it because I, I, in mental health side of the heroes in blue, I pretty much pointed out how our brains are innately wired and, and, and at our brains at no point seek what we experience in law enforcement, whether it's the traumatic encounters, those critical incidents, those emergencies where you see the blood, you see the guts, you see the crime, whatever, or you're in a fight for your life. Like your brain never craves that. And then, uh, and then I pointed out even the stress of negativity around you constantly that, that can wear you down. Mm-hmm. But then I, I wrote about a few solutions that have been dynamic for my recovery out of PTSD and depression and how I manage the symptoms to this day. But I got to thinking, I was like, man, there's just so many ways that we can take care of ourselves. I need to dive more into that. So I, long, I, I started writing 101 health tips for police officers. And I mean, police officer or not, we're all human. So obviously these, uh, these, these practical things can apply to anybody, whether they're in law enforcement or not. Uh, but it's just more geared towards the law enforcement. Uh, but it's, uh, it's just all solutions. Like you don't have to feel powerless. You don't have to just reach for the alcohol to get away from, you know, the thoughts or, or the, uh, the, the upset feelings, you, you don't have to, there's plenty of ways out there and they're not all that complicated, not all that daunting. And that's why I wrote the book. And I'll tell you, know, I, and, I, and we're going to talk about the other, the other books too, but you went through kind of the same pattern that, that I went through as well, which is, is the first one was the powerful, like meaningful book. And then, uh, I had a subsequent amount of like, I don't want to call them training books, but they almost are. They're they're mm-hmm. they're like concept books of like how to get you through um, field training, how to prepare you for a promotional process, how to prepare you for a detective process, and you started going down that road, like truth behind the police academy of the of a field manual, like like you started to prepare people for that. Um, and I'm not giving anything away. You, then then the other book, which this was on LinkedIn. This is where I got you. Like this is this is where my attention was grabbed, which was the 101 useful tips for a rookie officer, um, because I had done, I think, two roll call room episodes for rookies. Mm-hmm. And this book, like I remember you promoting it on LinkedIn. I remember the cover <laughs> again. And I rem- I was like, this guy's got it. This guy is going down the same rabbit hole. Like he's doing the right thing where he's preparing rookies 
to stay away from the pitfalls and, and the mistakes and stuff like that. Did you get a lot of feedback from the 101 useful tips for the rookie officers from rookie officers? Oh, yeah. There was a sergeant that I used to work with. He he uh, he actually texted me and he said he handed uh, the, my 101 useful tips for rookie police. officers. handed that book to one of his rookies. She was reading it in the break room at the PD. Another rookie comes in, tries to talk to her, and she said, Shh, wait, I'm learning. Stop. <laughs> and, like, told him to, to wait. She was so captured by the book. That that was that was like the first great feedback I had heard about it. But um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm honored. A, a, a big department recently put in a bulk order for it for every single one of their rookies. Yeah, doesn't that feel good? Yes, it really does. It just because I miss being a training officer. I really do. I, I, I only got out of law enforcement for family reasons and to pursue this, you know, opportunity to help officers across the country. And yeah. but I miss being in on patrol in, in the car with those rookies. So I thought I could write this book and just it could be one more thing, because what's scary to me is. At least the eight, the departments that I'm familiar with, you have. I know you, yep, yep. you have two to three year quote veterans training new officers. That is scary. So yeah. I there, there's just a mentality you have after five years. It's not bad. It's just you're more seasoned and you look at things differently. And and I thought we've got a lot of new officers training newer officers. I, I don't like that. Uh, but but I know manpower is is very slim. Uh, so I, I was like, I got to get this book out there. At least I can put the perspective of 10 plus years in, in, in writing and hopefully they'll read it and apply it. And that's funny because that was the same thought process I had when I saw that, that book come out was, I was like, this is genius because, and I talk about it a lot on this show is, is that we have babies training babies. Mm -hmm. you, you have two year officers and at two years, you don't know nothing. You don't know shit like and this is no dig on anybody that's a hard charger out there. And there are two year vets that are out there, two year officers that do have a lot of arrest and they've got a good prosecution rate and they're doing the thing that they should do. But in all honesty, your full value and potential, like like you said, is right around like the five, six year mark is when you start to really like you start going, hmm, I think I got this like, mm -hmm. you no, know, I know where the good bathrooms are. You know, you know, I, I know I've been roasted a couple of times by defense attorneys uh, for DUIs and other criminal cases. And you've kind of had a couple of bruises that have healed where you're learning at mm -hmm. two years on. And you're you're still feeling around in the dark. So um, that's what's kind of that. That's what I really like about the style that you're going with with this book and and the one before this one was giving the outlet to officers that are brand spanking new um and i think because the millennial generation is coming into this profession they go into field training and then they go they go i still need more knowledge or i need to verify what this field trainer is telling me that's outside of this department right so they're, they're actively seeking books and podcasts and audible books and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think this falls right into that. Um, especially for the ones that listen, listen to this show, like you should be definitely be reading stuff like, like this, like, uh, to avoid the pitfalls. If you are a rookie and I know there are, cause we get a lot of emails from people that are like, you know, can you guys do another episode on like first year on second year on great, 
you know, and we forget, like we, we've been on like, like you, like you, you know, you and I pretty much have the similar amount of time on, like when I came down to Virginia it was like 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before that I was in New York and, but when I left, I had like 15, 16 years on here in, in Virginia. Right. And you tend to forget what the first like four years was like. Um, and I wish I took notes too, because it's hard. Oh, same here. Yeah. yeah as you get, you know, it. that's actually a tip that I put in 101 useful tips for rookie police, like document your journey. So, because I, I, I hate that I didn't take a lot of pictures of, of the people I worked with the some of the experiences I had and, and, and take notes, write down these stories to the funny ones, the dangerous ones yeah. so that you can apply You can teach other people about them, make people really understand what law enforcement goes through for people who aren't in it. Oh yeah. Document the heck out of it. That's one huge regret I have that I didn't do. Do you, do you find when you're like doing your show, like a memory will come back from something that you completely forgot you did on the job? Well, what I find, (laughs) I, I, I don't live in the state where I worked. And what, what I find now is like, when I do go back home to visit, I'll drive through where I used to patrol. And I mean, memory after memory comes up. I'm like, man, I did not, I totally forgot about that. But it's like, you know, you look at a house, boom, you remember things <laughs> or things you know. that, or, or things that I swore I'd never forget. Yeah. I'm starting to forget them. <laughs> well, some of it has to do with some age, you know, <laughs> you know right. you, uh, but you just but, go but through I, so much that your brain can't keep up with all of it because the law enforcement's so involved and you have so many experiences, you're bound to forget some, even if you said you would remember them. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're on the speaking circuit as well, right? Yes, I've I've had a blast uh, getting up on stage, and uh, yeah, I freak out right before I get on stage. But hey, you know, <laughs> I'm only human. But uh, but to 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 because keynote speakers and speakers like that I watched growing up, they really made an impact on me, and I I, I felt like if it's a way that I can just reach a few in the crowd, because some are going to tune you out no matter what you say. Yeah. Um, but just if I can get to a few in the crowd, they can influence three or four more people who can influence that much more people. It it keeps on getting passed down. Uh, So I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've gone from literally coast to coast. And uh, my my recent big speaking was back in November. I got to speak. I was the closing keynote uh, speaker for the national concerns of police survivors event uh, conference on trauma and wellness. And I mean, there were hundreds of people in the audience and just to, when, when I got done, I, I went out to the door so I could shake hands and, and say hello to everyone. I mean, people were coming up left and right with smiles saying, nice. Man, you, really, you really challenged us at the end there. I appreciate that kind of stuff. And heck, the next day I was I was leaving and I was at the airport and someone came up to me, Scott? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, oh, I was at the uh, conference yesterday. You gave the closing keynote. You, you really hammered it home and I appreciate that. And I was, it was that, that that makes it all worth it. That makes you feel good. Uh, mm-hmm. I've I've done a couple where there have been chiefs of police in the room, and then like I, you know, you go outside. Sometimes they like let you set a table up for your books and stuff. Right. And I'm out there and I'm sign, signing books, and this one guy comes up and he's like, "Hey, uh, I'm a chief of police. I won't say where." <laughs> and I was like, "Uh huh." And he was like, uh, "You said a lot of stuff in there." And I was like, "Uh huh." And he was, he was like, uh, we don't hear that a lot, like directed at chiefs. And I said, why do you think that is? I was like, do you think people are scared to say that to you? I said, I, I'll give you my opinion. I'm not in law enforcement anymore. So for me, I can say it. 
But if I was still trying to get in law enforcement or turn a law enforcement, turn this into another law enforcement career, I'd, I'd be on my P's and Q's. And I'm not because I think the, the, the overall mission of what you and I are trying to do is greater than trying to get back into law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And you keyed into it like um, where uh, today, the 17th of March, there's uh, 19 suicides this year and only 18 line of duty deaths. So Gosh. one more su- suicide than line of duty. And it's just a perpetual every year. Like one is too many. Um, yeah. And it's, it's refreshing to see somebody like yourself, like in that, in that boat with us, like, like we're all kind of, there's a select few of us that are out there doing that kind of stuff like you and Travis Yates and, um, there's, um, Andy Harvey and then there's mm-hmm. uh, under, uh, um, under the shield podcast and so many other, uh, ones and, I, and I'm leaving some out. It's not because I forget about you, uh, like, uh, spinning our gears podcast, all these guys, uh, and gals are talking about this stuff, but, um, I don't know what, I don't know what direction we're going with law enforcement lately, but you know, we'll see. And, and I think what you're doing is, is, is really good. Really, well, I, I appreciate that. I, I just want everyone on the job to be just as vigilant with internal risks and threats that happen within our minds and bodies as you're trained to be aware to external threats. I mean, when, when you walk up to a car on a traffic stop and you see people moving around, digging in the floorboard area, you instinctively pick up on that. It doesn't mean something is absolutely bad going to happen, but yeah. you're aware of it. Yeah. But yet, are you aware of how your negative, consistent negative thought patterns are bringing you down every day and you're turning and you're getting you're turning to bad habits to to get away from it. And even though they don't have long, good long term consequences, I just want people to raise their awareness and raise your standards too. like you don't have to survive in life. You don't have to survive on the job. You can thrive. I know there's a lot of noise right now. There's a lot of negative media attention. It's not going anywhere. Realize who you are. Raise your standards. Don't settle for You don't have to settle for that stuff. Keep doing what you can do and control. Take action for what you can control. And and it's not going to be easy, but it's worth it. Every single bit of it. Yep. I got got a a tough one that I'm going to ask you. don't worry. It's not like a, like a, like, like a sabotage question, but <laughs> I'm a 10 to 15 year officer right now. Mm-hmm. And I get asked this a lot. So that, so now I'm just going to pawn it off on you. No problem. Let's do it. <laughs> 10 or 15 year officer. And I want to get out. Like I'm thinking about getting out, but I'm pretty sure I want to get out. Mm-hmm. My spouse is like, Hey, listen, get out. You are, you're in the same boat as me. I'm not in it anymore. You're not in it. You made a go at something outside of law enforcement and you did good at that go. What's your advice to that officer saying, Hey, I don't know if I could leave the security of law enforcement, the, the guarantee of overtime, the security, uh, the quote unquote benefits of law enforcement. What would you say to that 10 to 15 year veteran? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is I have to quote Zig Ziglar, uh, and, and he might have gotten it from someone else. He, he's a famous, legendary motivational speaker who passed away several years ago. Anyway, but he, he said fear stands for false evidence appearing real. 
So that's the first thing. A lot of what is going to hold you back is fear, fear, fear of the unknown fear, and, and, and fear of letting go of that secure paycheck. But I would say make sure you're pursuing another opportunity rather than running away from a negative emotion. Just make sure you're pursuing an opportunity that will work out for you. And, and trust me when I say this, you have no idea how many skills you learned in law enforcement along the way that can help you that much better in whatever you decide to do after the job. And when people say, but you'll lose your retirement package, yada, yada. Look, people, there are so many people that don't work in law enforcement who retire just fine. You can plan your own retirement. You, you are, do not let the, the, the pension hold you hostage. Uh, because uh, I, I know we know, Nick, I know, you know, people that do this as well. I, I don't believe in it. I mean, there's, there's officers literally killing themselves to get to retirement um, or, or they're just like dying slowly along the way. And then they get to retirement. And if they don't keel over from health issues after it, then they're miserable after the new feeling of retirement wears off because they don't know who they are and they don't have a purpose or a passion. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I, I would definitely say, uh, fear will hold you back. You have to push through the fear and then pursue another opportunity rather than running away from a negative emotion. Because if you're running away from a negative emotion, uh, once that emotion settles down, you're going to be like, oh, shoot, what what do I do? Yeah, that's a that's that's really good advice. That's pretty much the same uh, advice that I give, which is which is also, you know, know your finances at the beginning of your career and, and mm-hmm. every increment of the way, because um. I spoke to somebody fairly recently that uh, was getting ready to retire and they went to a financial advisor and the financial advisor was like, you were putting this much into your pension for the last 20 years. And he was like, if you had given me this much for 20 years, I'd be handing you a check for a million dollars by. Oh, wow. And it was so poorly mismanaged the pension Mm-hmm. Uh, or or the amount that you're putting in. And I think what folks look at is, is they go, well, I only work for 20 years and then I get pension for the rest of my life. But if you're smart and you can do that outside of law enforcement and you have a good financial advisor or you're smart enough to do it yourself. Yeah. Man, you can make, you can make money last a long time if you're, if you're c- careful with your money and you're not careless, you know? Uh, so that's, that, that's, that's super, super, uh, Good advice. Uh, and I'm going to switch gears because it's very rare that I have somebody on that's 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 outside of law enforcement now. When you left law enforcement, were you experiencing residual effects when you left? Stuff that was suppressed when you were on the job that now you're off the job. Nightmares, um, eating habits changing and so on and so forth. Yeah. Nightmares still, they they happen. The other day I had a dream or the other night I had a dream of of a guy who would, it was a traffic stop. He slams his hands on the car voluntarily to be patted down. I said, well, hang on, sir. We're not there yet. And all of a sudden he turns around, puts his hands in his pockets because he's reaching for a gun. And I wake up like, God, what, you know, and I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. So yeah, that's amazing to me that that's still happening. Uh, But the hypervigilance has settled down a little bit. I, I the other day I, I had to go into the grocery store and get something, but I didn't have my gun. I said, "Okay, let's go in there anyway." You know, and, I, I, and I'm I'm alive to tell you about it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. I I have noticed I don't I, some things have something is relaxed. I'm not talking about complacency. 
but right. physically I don't feel as apprehensive and mentally uh, the same way. Uh, but at the same time, I do miss the camaraderie. I, I do miss mm. uh, the, the unpredictability of the day it just because uh, uh, who knows what happens on shift. And that's one thing I loved about the job was just, I mean, you, there's so many different experiences and, and obviously now that, those experiences aren't there, but uh, that, that that's something I noticed. And another thing, which is very important for those currently on the job to know is your department will go on without you. You're not going to hear from all these brothers and sisters, family and all that. No, you're going to probably have, I mean, most uh, five people that you stay in touch with. I, that I think I'm being generous lot. with that number. Yeah. I think I'm being generous yeah. with that number. You really, really seriously. Are. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, the the I know that they they preach like we're family here. Well, okay, I can tell you right now. I can go back to the department where I worked, and they would not let me in. <laughs> I mean, unless unless I was unless I was escorted by somebody or just you know had checked in with the front desk to be allowed to go in, I just wouldn't be allowed back in. I mean, I worked there for so many years, and it's just no, they cut my access off to the building. So I'm just saying, like. Uh, that's one thing I, I realized when I left that, that all these people that I worked with for several years, man, life goes on. People go on and, and crime continues. You, you, I know you did a lot and you probably made a difference, but crime will continue. That's why I like to tell rookies like you're no big deal. I, I know that comes to a blow to your ego, but you're no big deal. Do what you can and, and, and do the best you can at it. But when you leave it, things will keep on going. Well, and it's reassuring, too, because I'm kind of. I'm kind of tainted. Like I know, I know I'm out back at my old department. Like I know I can't even get a visitor's pass at my old department. Like, like, I'm sure that like, you remember back in the day, like you'd go into target or wherever in the loss prevention office and they'd have pictures up of shoplifters. Yes. I am almost a hundred percent sure that <laughs> picture, my picture is behind the security desk. And it's like, <laughs> If this guy comes in, dial extension four seven nine two or something. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I'm allowed back in because I've been to some retirement parties since I left. But, but yeah, the fact that they were when I turned in my stuff, they said, "All right, give me your city ID," and and now you you can't get back into the yeah. building unless someone lets you in. It's just like wow. <laughs> My, my invitations to the retirement parties must be lost in the mail or something. It, you know, I know my department still listens to this. Uh, you know, I have moved since uh, leaving the department, but I did quote my email, you know, my, my mail. But I, you know, I tell folks like I'm in, I'm in the business space now. Like, um, and I get a lot of folks that not, were not in law enforcement. And they're like, hey, do you miss it? You know, that you were in law enforcement for over 20 years. Do you miss it? And I'm like, man, I, I I don't miss the circus. I miss the clowns. Like, that's just, you know, like, I don't miss the, 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 the three ring circus. Like, when I left headquarters, it was the greatest job in the world. But within the four walls of, of the castle, man, all the stuff that happens in there is, is, is where all those mental health issues or the majority of them mm-hmm. happen is the bad decisions that are made inside of those walls. And um, so yeah, that's why I encourage officers uh, one, get away from all the negative talk because it, it actually led me to quitting after my first year 
and going to another department. I was convinced that the department I was with was on a sinking ship. And, 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 and when I went, fortunately, eight months later, they took me back yeah. and I never looked at it the same again. I really and overall enjoyed it. However, yeah, when you see some of these decisions being passed down, it's just one thing after the next, you, you start to lose, you feel this, uh, you feel like uh, you're not supported. And, and that's why I tell officers, man, you can't rely on external factors to bring you happiness. You just can't. You have to know who you are, what you're doing and work on you each and every day, even though even though you won't want to at times, because the more you know you and the more you work on you, the less the external noise can have a, a, that much of a damaging effect on you. hundred percent. Scott, you and I have so much in common. <laughs> so much. Like just talking to you for this short period of time, man, like. You left your department. I left my department and went back. Like, man, we have to close this out, but I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be a part two uh, in the very near future. You and I are going to get on a call to get, like, do another one of these, but a full hour of you and I really deep diving because, um, man, there's so many similarities and we have the same kind of, like, way of thinking about things. So, uh, Maybe not the same. I don't want to get you in trouble or anything, but, <laughs> but where can where can folks find you if they need to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Uh, the scottmedlin.com is my website, but when it comes to the new police officers or those interested in getting in the job, go to rookietips.com. And if you go to rookietips.com, you can get one of my free mental survival guides, but also you'll get 101 useful tips for rookie police officers at a discounted price. Um, so go there, rookietips.com. But, uh, yeah, I, I also have a, a, a podcast and a YouTube channel called the 10 code mindset. It's amazing to see some of the hateful comments I get on YouTube. I'm just I'm like, <laughs> wow, you don't, it's just uh, some of the, some how naive some people are. I'm like, you didn't even watch the video. <laughs> I love, I love comments, man. I love, <laughs> yes. They fuel my fire, man. Oh, I know the, the more, the more these people, comment just hateful things the more people tell me yeah that means you're doing the right thing <laughs> well and but i'll say this and then and then i'm gonna wrap it up the newest thing now is is on facebook uh people taking or or um putting in a complaint to get me suspended from facebook saying that i'm not using original content which is hilarious because i've had four videos removed of my books and I wrote them. You wrote them. Yeah. So unbelievable. I've had I've yeah. And it's anti-police activists saying that it's their content. Right. And I'm like, I wrote the freaking book and Facebook <laughs> sides with them. So I'm like, oh. whatever, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The world yeah. we're living in, man. The world we're living in. But uh, Scott, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, we're Thank you, Nick. definitely going to do it again. Uh, folks, there's going to be a link in for uh, a link for. Uh, all of Scott's things that he talked about, including his uh, books, where to get his books. Uh, it's going to be in the description for this podcast. And then when I put it out on Instagram, Facebook, and all the other, you know, social media things, I'll, ta- I'll tag you in those too, Scott. So really appreciate you coming on, buddy. Oh, it's been an honor. I appreciate it. All right, folks. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Take it easy. <laughs>